2: Welcome to Focus Fox Valley. I am Amanda Stuck, filling in for Haley today, uh, this Tuesday, December 13th. We have a really exciting first hour here. We have Law Talk, sponsored by Hurling Clark Law Firm, and we have some very special guests, Kevin Lonergan with Hurling Clark, and Katrina Nelson, who is a paralegal, with a really fascinating topic today, which is really, what does a paralegal do? What is a paralegal? Uh, When I saw this topic, I was really excited, because I think most people probably don't know. They've probably heard the term, but probably really don't know exactly what a paralegal does, how somebody becomes a paralegal, so I'm really excited to cover all of those questions today. And with that, I will turn it over to Kevin Lonergan.
1: Thank you. Uh, and I'm I'm honored to have our guest, Katrina Nelson, who was just recently named Wisconsin's uh, Paralegal of the Year. So Very
2: uh, exciting. We're in the presence of greatness.
1: That's right. Thank you. So, so uh, Katrina, can you just Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your history as a paralegal.
0: Uh, Sure. I have always been interested in the law, so it was something that was always in my mind when I was making education choices. And I actually started the paralegal program my senior year at Appleton East High School. I was able to take a class through NWTC, Um, So I enjoyed that class, but I did elect to go on to UW-La Crosse and I studied Sociology. But upon graduation, I decided that the law was, in fact, uh, what I was interested in. So I returned to NWTC and continued the paralegal program and earned a post-bachelor certificate. So in 2006, I graduated and then started working um, at a small law firm in Green Bay and ultimately made my way to Herland Clark in 2010.
1: And interestingly, you are married to a paralegal.
0: Yes, my husband is also a paralegal. He focuses on criminal law, um, so very different from the personal injury world, but it is nice to have him to be able to uh, communicate and brainstorm and things of that nature because we do have similar job duties despite being a different type of law.
2: I'm I'm just curious what his education background is. I'm just wondering if it's typical to go the route you did and end up going back or do most people go directly into the program at NWTC?
0: Um, He also has a certificate. He also obtained a lot of on-the-job training through his different um, employment where he just really has excelled at brief writing and legal research. So his job is much different um, than myself and the roles that I do. But I would say in addition to his certificate, bulk of it has just been on-the-job training.
2: So do you remind him that you won the
0: award at all? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a hot topic.
1: And he was there to watch her get it. Yes, too, so. he was
0: supportive. No jealousy. That's great.
1: <laughs> How would you describe what is a paralegal?
0: Um, I would say at each firm I've been at, the paralegal role has been different. Generally, I would say that it does require teamwork amongst the paralegal and the legal assistant or the secretary all to work together to make sure the tasks are done um, Generally speaking, I would say the paralegal role is maybe more substantive in terms of trying to aid your attorney and take take on additional workload that frees them up to um, do additional work, whether it would be brief writing or the settlement narratives and demands. So myself then focusing on other work that allows the attorney to Focus on additional casework
1: i I often describe a paralegal as sort of a cross between a secretary and an attorney. Do you think that's a fair description?
0: Yes, I would say so
1: um, and uh you mentioned you an associate's degree is a two year degree right yes and uh we we've had actually now i think our third lawyer who wanted to work as a paralegal uh so there's a wide range of educational backgrounds, right?
0: Yes, I elected to go to UW-La Crosse. I was interested in the four-year college experience. I wasn't sure where you know, my path would take me, but the fact that NWTC offers the post-bachelor certificate was a nice option um, where I was able to enjoy my four years and then also wrap up the one additional year of the certificate and then move into my area of practice.
1: And uh, I don't know if people out there have an interest in becoming a paralegal or maybe has a son or daughter that might have that interest, but um, uh, you've mentioned that you do personal injury work, your husband does criminal law work. What other areas do paralegals generally work within?
0: Family law is a big one. Also, uh, probate and estate planning We've had additional paralegals at our firm that have come from um, other areas of law, including, I believe, Rachel's intellectual property.
2: I'm curious on the education front,
0: do you have continuing education requirements you have to meet at all? I do not have specific CLEs that I have to obtain. As part of the Wisconsin Association of Justice, I do attend their seminars, which they put on, um, which often include a paralegal track, which is really nice. They'll have topics directed towards the paralegals, often presented by other paralegals. So they offer a lot of resources that um, help you to get better at your job or to have a resource to brainstorm, or I'm going through this issue reaching out to the other paralegals in the association to get um, tips and pointers. So I don't have specific CLEs, but just keeping yourself informed and up-to-date on the different issues that are current. Yeah.
1: Um, I know that your area is primarily personal injury, so I think what I want to do for the rest of the show is to give people a better idea about what you do, kind of walk you through... What your normal days entail. So, uh, um, uh, we'll, we'll look at the paralegal perspective from the PI personal injury area. Although, you know, they can probably imagine how it would work in family law or probate and estate planning as well. Uh, so, uh, let's say we've got a client that that's interested in retaining us, and uh, you know, they we, we discuss the case with them. They they, they hire us, and then. What would you as a paralegal do once uh, that we've established that attorney-client relationship?
0: So once the firm has been retained and I've been assigned the file, usually just getting all the opening documents started, having the client sign authorizations which will allow us to obtain the various records needed to Investigate and prepare their file So starting with authorizations, then gathering the accident report and police materials. That includes nine one one calls, photographs, uh, body cam videos. Now are also very common and helpful to review at first at the scene, um, and then just starting to prepare a list of all the providers that the client has treated with, and using those authorizations then to gather their medical records, both pre and post-accident. So we have a complete history of their their injuries and also just how their health was prior to this accident.
1: I'm going to give a, a little war story <laughs> that uh, kind of demonstrates the importance of gathering information. Uh, the 911 calls are only available for 120 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, But I had a case at one point in time that uh, 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 the, I don't want to say which company it was, but one of the delivery companies had an accident with my client. It was an intersection accident, and the delivery company refused to settle. They said the the accident was my client's fault. Well, we had the 911 calls. Uh, We got them in time, and uh, I knew what the guy had said when he called 911, so, so I'm taking his deposition and he's explaining why he thought he had the right of way. And uh, uh, interestingly, it was totally inconsistent with what he called. So I let him say what he was going to say. And then I said, okay, you called 911, didn't you? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, well, we have, a, we have the recording of your phone call. And we've prepared a transcript of, of that recording. And I want to show it to you and your attorney. So I handed each one of them a copy. And in the 911 call, he goes, police and ambulance here right away. The other driver is seriously injured. It was all my fault. <laughs> and right in the 911 call, it was it was amazing. and And so I said, is this what you said? And he goes, um... I hadn't had a chance to talk to my attorney yet. Well, <laughs> so, oh,
2: that doesn't sound uh, incriminating at all. <laughs> yeah.
1: So needless to say, within a couple of weeks of that deposition, I get a phone call saying, uh, do you want to go to mediation and see if we can settle this case? So those things can be very important in uh, gathering them right away and having Katrina and others do that is is really important in certain cases. So
2: in your example, your paralegal helped to assist and get that information.
1: Yep, yep. They yeah. gather that, and sometimes uh, those 911 calls, people will give a phone number, and they'll say, I was a witness, but they couldn't stay at the scene, so we have witnesses that we didn't previously know about. But I, we could go on and talk. Katrina could talk about uh, all of the the reasons why we gather all this information, but that's just one little... Story. Well, I
2: think that's a great story to stop on to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will continue talking about paralegals. Hello and welcome back to Focus Fox Valley and Law Talk with Hurling Clark Law Firm. I'm Amanda Stuck, filling in for Haley today, having a very fascinating conversation about paralegals. Already have learned so much, so I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about what paralegals do. So, welcome back to our guests, Kevin Lonergan and Katrina Nelson.
1: Uh, you mentioned before break that a part of uh, what you do is to get authorizations, to get records, and so forth. So. What do you do when, when, when the records come in?
0: When the records come in, we page number them and organize them and begin to abstract and create a medical chronology. This will list the date of service, who the client saw, um, listing the health care provider, the doctor, and the type of treatment they received. This is critical for both the paralegal and the attorney. Uh, to review and utilize throughout the total case. Um, Oftentimes when it is the initial pre-accident records, we're looking for background on what types of activities did they did. When I'm summarizing them, I'm looking for hobbies, um, social history, job duties, things of that nature that kind of tell me more about the client, how active they were, Um, things of that nature to give me some additional background. I'm also then looking to see what types of complaints did they have that were similar to their accident injuries. If it is a left knee injury in the auto accident, I'm going to be looking for any mentions of left knee or left lower extremity and highlighting that and detailing it and bringing it to the attorney's attention for review for an understanding of what issues were going on before this accident, were certain injuries exasperated, or are these new injuries where there was no prior mention before the accident. Then in post-accident uh, records also looking and trying to highlight you know, the injuries, um, also pain descriptions and pain ratings. And any other descriptions on how the accident has affected their activities and if they're no longer able to participate in some of those same hobbies and activities that are mentioned in the pre-accident records, what is now detailed post-accident?
1: From the perspective of of the attorney, this is so, so helpful to us because many times when I'm meeting with a doctor, they want to know the history of the complaints. And uh, uh, we can, because everything's been abstracted and summarized and put into the computer we can do word searches so sometimes a person doesn't complain of uh, you know numbness and tingling in their hand for several months after an accident and the doctor wants to know well how long was that going on before they offer offer their opinion about whether it related to the accident and so this is so beneficial to have that information it makes our life much much easier so, um, we, we appreciate it. And you do similar things with employment records and uh, things like that, right?
0: Correct. Um, gathering the employment records, also creating an abstract then on those records if there were any work injuries or um, also kind of just getting a history of oftentimes their resumes will be in there, so what their background is in terms of education and past employment. Uh, wage information, if there is wage loss as a result of the auto accident, And, and a lot of times clients forget things or our memories are not as good as we think they are. They may not recall that they had a knee injury five years ago when they slipped and fell or something of that nature. So you're able to show them the record and allow them to recall and review it and then discuss it with them further.
2: Can I ask a little bit about the relationship between the attorney and their paralegal in this work? So as an attorney, are you kind of looking at it first and then directing the paralegal to these other areas you want them to look at? Or as a paralegal, you just get it and kind of identify what to bring to the attorney? Or how does that relationship work? A little of both.
0: Yeah, I would say it probably depends on uh, your relationship with your attorney. Also, how comfortable you are in the role or how long you have been in the position. Um, You will know from the intake call, which at Herland-Clark, the paralegals take the intake call. I will know from the beginning what the injuries are and have that noted. Then I am able to look in the records for that information. And if I see any red flags or anything that would concern me, then bringing that to my attorney's attention and then allowing the attorney to discuss that with the client.
1: And when you work with a paralegal for a number of years, they they know what we need and we yeah. know what they're capable of doing and it it, it's, it becomes very, very beneficial to have worked together for a long period of time and uh,
2: Do you generally have like one paralegal for an attorney, or if you're like in a larger firm, are they working for maybe multiple attorneys? Do
1: you want to answer that <laughs> one:
0: I would say it also depends. Um, I have been with my attorney the entire time at Harlan Clark so for 12 years I've worked with him as he is nearing retirement I have started working for other attorneys also in the EPI. so right now I work with four attorneys okay
1: and, and in response to your question too, so every law firm does things differently and there are some law firms that will have a paralegal that will handle the case up until the time a lawsuit is commenced some have a, uh, a paralegal that specializes in just preparing answers to, we call it, discovery demands, where they ask questions in writing under oath, that have to be answered under oath. And some will specialize in just preparing the paperwork for the filing with the court. And uh, the way we do it at Hurling Clark is we like for our clients to work with one paralegal beginning to end because they get to know one another and uh,
2: relationships are important especially I mean some of the topics you're talking about I'm sure right it's a very stressful situation
0: for them and as the paralegal just being someone that they know they can call and get a response to and if it's not something that I'm able to assist them with knowing that I will get the information to the attorney and then we will follow up with either a telephone call or an office conference but just allowing them to know that I'm here to listen to them, answer their questions, and just acknowledge what they're going through.
1: And, and people who've been involved in accidents are going through very stressful times in their life, and I can tell you that Katrina is wonderful with uh, helping those people through those difficult situations where the lawyer might be in trial or in depositions, and and they're they're upset because their employer wants them to do something they can't do, and maybe in tears, and and she and others like her uh, do just a great job of, uh, you know, walking them through that, and, uh, uh, yeah. you know, when we close files, oftentimes my clients give my paralegal a big hug and say, thank you for, <laughs> yeah. you know, helping me through all this.
2: Yeah, yeah, I can see that being a very important part of the position, too. And definitely, I think we're seeing why you won the award that you did coming through. <laughs> thank you. And all of this. So, I think now would be a good time for another break. We come back, we will continue with more discussion about paralegals. Welcome back to Law Talk with Hurling Clark Law Firm. I'm Amanda Stuck filling in for Haley today. We are continuing our great discussion about paralegals and the work they do. So, we've already learned quite a bit. Uh, For this next segment, I would like to talk about medical bills. Start off talking about medical bills. I think anybody who's been in an accident knows this is a a big part of uh, what is often um, involved in these suits. So can we talk a little bit about the importance of medical bills, how they factor into the work you do as a paralegal?
0: Yeah, so this is often one of the most stressful situations for the clients. They're receiving medical bills, and we work with them to make sure they are... Um, Hopefully first applied through health insurance to be able to utilize those contractual adjustments and things of that nature. Then if there's any co-pays or out-of-pockets or um, being applied towards deductible, hopefully using the client's medical payment coverage through their own auto insurance to cover that for them so they're not having significant bills. Out of pocket. So we create an Excel spreadsheet listing all the various healthcare providers and the insurance companies, um, and then just indicating the date of the healthcare provider, the date of service, the charged amount, and then who paid what, which will then often leave us with. Um, if there's any residual, any out-of-pocket, any outstanding balance with the provider. So it's kind of like a checks and balance to make sure uh, what is being paid, what needs to be submitted to the MedPay, what's outstanding, what can we work on getting covered for the client. And with that spreadsheet, you often have to go back and rely on the medical chronology that you prepared because you're getting bills, let's just say, from ThetaCare. Well, that's listing all the treatment that they've had from the date of accident forward. And oftentimes clients have non-accident-related care mixed in with the accident-related care. So you need to cross-reference with your medical chronology to make sure that the dates of service that you are listing are Accident related. With that same spreadsheet, then you get um, ledgers and lien notices from the health insurance companies, and you cross reference that with your medical special spreadsheet to make sure that the healthcare is also paying and applying only accident related care onto their lien because the client needs to pay that back at the conclusion of the case. So you're kind of taking multiple. Forms from various insurance companies, from the healthcare providers, putting it all onto one spreadsheet, and making sure that everything is applied to the accident.
1: So, so just from the perspective of the lawyer, um, uh, what what Katrina and others do is is so important to the case. The the client has the right, among pain and suffering, wage loss, and so forth, to collect back all of their medical bills, and everyone. WHO HAS HEALTH INSURANCE KNOWS THAT THEIR HEALTH INSURANCE CARRIER RARELY PAYS THE FULL AMOUNT OF THE BILL. Uh, THEY ALL HAVE CONTRACTUAL DISCOUNTS WITH THE HEALTH CARE PROVIDERS. Uh, AND uh, uh, THE MEDICAL PAY CARRIERS DON'T. THEY PAY FULL VALUE. SO, so YOU MIGHT HAVE A THOUSAND DOLLAR BILL. Uh, your, YOUR HEALTH INSURANCE COMPANY uh, WILL PAY 500. YOU GOT A copay OR A DEDUCTIBLE. And the health care provider writes off the balance. If your medical pay carrier is asked to pay, they pay the full thousand dollars. Now, at the end of the case, either one of them is going to ask for their money back out of the settlement. And the question is, would you rather pay back 500 to the health carrier or a thousand out of your settlement to the med pay carrier? And uh, the other problem is that, you know med pay is like maybe five or ten thousand dollars. It's a flat amount. And if you use that up right away, now you're paying copays and deductibles right away. Uh, if you save that for later and you only use it to take care of your copays and your du- deductibles, it's going to last a longer time, and then they're not paying things out of pocket for a longer time.
2: That's great. So, do you have to sometimes talk directly with insurance companies on behalf of clients?
0: Yes. Oftentimes, you will be. Dealing with the health insurance up in their third party administrators. So United Healthcare utilizes Optum. So we will then call Optum, talk to the analyst, and discuss with them um, what injuries are related to the auto accident, and then if there's anything that's not related that's showing up on their ledger requesting them to remove it. Um, and also asking that they provide us with updated ledgers at the, as the client continues to treat, because that allows us to continue to track and monitor and make sure that the claims are paid and then also have an understanding as the case continues, what does our subrogation lien look like?
1: And, and uh, as a part of it, um, unfortunately, with many of the health insurance policies, there can be very large deductibles and, and uh Maybe some people don't even have auto insurance and medical pay coverage. So Katrina is assisting with trying to work out payment programs with health care providers or having them agree that they'll wait until the settlement to get their money out of it. And we give them, we call it a lien against the recovery. Um, so, so there's multiple things because medical bills, as Katrina just said, are one of the most stressful things that an accident victim has to deal with. Especially at a time when they may not be working.
2: So, I'm just thinking of all the things you have to do and how much work that must take. (laughs) I mean, you must be working more than 40 hours a week. I'm guessing you have pretty long (laughs) days.
0: (laughs) Um, Thankfully, Hurling Clark has a very good work life balance, so you are able to maintain your 40 hours. But the position does require organization skills, time management, um, you know, determining what is your priority of following the docket. As Kevin said, there's obviously the initial deadlines with gathering the 911 calls, um, body cam videos, traffic intersection videos. So you just need to be aware of the various deadlines that are attributed to each of these and keeping that in your mind and on your docket as you continue to work through the case because there's deadlines, yes, throughout the case, both pre-suit and um, once you are in suit as well. Yeah.
1: So what I'd like to do Katrina is kind of jump ahead a little bit. You know, we get uh we're working with the client to try to keep things afloat and at some point in time when they reach their healing plateau, they they they're either recovered or we know they're not going to get much better based on what the doctors tell us, we got to start putting the case together for settlement purposes and I don't know if we're at the break time right now and we should do this after, but okay. Sure.
2: Sounds like a perfect lead in for the next segment. So right. we'll take a quick break and start with that when we come back. Welcome back to Law Talk with Hurling Clark Law Firm. We have Kevin Lonegren here, attorney with Hurling Clark Law Firm, and Katrina Nelson, who is Paralegal of the Year. We're still talking about paralegals and the great work they do and the important work they do. So far, we've talked a lot about the prep work, the important uh, data collection that paralegals do. So now I will turn it over to Kevin to talk a little bit about how that all comes together.
1: So at some point in time, we're ready to put the case together to submit to the insurance company for settlement. And can you talk about the kinds of things that you have to do in order to accomplish that?
0: Yes. When the attorney informs the paralegal of the doctors that they want to meet with and the various permanency reports that they need to gather for the case, we need to make sure that we have that medical chronology up to date, all of the medical bills requested and up to date, and then put the information together for the attorney to take with him to meet with the doctor. We want to make sure that the doctor is informed, as Kevin mentioned earlier, if there were any pre-existing injuries, or references to the same auto injuries. Um, So just putting that together in a binder is often what we utilize. uh, Providing any pre-accident records, and then also any other records that may have been, um, the client may have been referred to by either this treating doctor or other doctors leading up to them getting to the expert.
1: Or, or, for example, having the doctor document that the time that they took off from work was because of the injuries from the accident.
2: Is it difficult sometimes to deal with doctors? I'm just thinking somebody who works in healthcare, myself, you know, just that confidentiality, HIPAA, is it hard sometimes to collect that information?
1: Um, that's a kind of a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, some doctors are absolutely fabulous and they, they understand that their patients have more than just physical injuries they actually have a life and their injuries affect their family and their employment and and perhaps a personal injury case and and they they bend over backwards to do what they can do to help them through all of that and other doctors you know we can't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do and um, they just prefer not to get involved and so um, it, it's, it is what it is, and we just deal with it the way it is. And so uh, the answer is yes and no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Again, so it depends, right, who you're working with. Yeah. Yep.
1: So um, let's say now, uh, Katrina, we've got a report, and a doctor says, uh, I think this person is going to need a shoulder surgery down the road, and therapy leading up to it, and therapy after. What do you do with that?
0: So we'll take the report and just think through of all the various treatment that a future surgery would include. That's going to include the facility. So, for example, the hospital charge. It's going to include the physician's charge, often anesthesia, radiology, and then if Kevin said additional physical therapy Um, So you would need to reach out to each of those facilities or clinics to gather that information. You often have to ask for their estimate or billing department and provide them with the uh, recommended CPT code, and then they're able to provide you with an estimate of what that care will cost. Usually they give you today's dollar, Um, you know, so if the surgery is in, Ten years, in some cases, I have also calculated for inflation um, and things of that nature. But it's not just a matter of, okay, I'll get the hospital estimate for the surgery. You have to take into consideration everything else that will be billed with that procedure.
1: And time they might miss from work after the surgery. Correct. And, and let's say that we've got a client that has injuries that would prevent them from doing the kind of work uh, that they did prior to the accident. What are we doing with that? And what's your role with that?
0: Um, so that would include reviewing the employment records to see what their job duties were and then if it would Be something where they're no longer able to continue in this role Working with the attorney to find the appropriate vocational expert for them to meet with and be Evaluated and then that expert issues a report um, calculating what their loss of earning capacity would be. So that would be um, similar to where if the attorney is meeting with a doctor, you put the medical records together. If the client is and the attorney is going to meet with a vocational expert, it would be gathering all the past employment records, tax returns, things of that nature to show the types of jobs they did, the income they were making and then the vocational expert evaluates that and issues a report.
1: And let let's say we've got clients that had bruises and scars and things like that and we want to make sure that they're being compensated for that. What what's your role with that?
0: So taking photographs is something that the clients can do themselves that often adds a lot of value to their case when you're first injured, whether it's the bruising from the seatbelt or Um, The injuries and things of that nature, if you have a surgery, showing yourself following surgery and as you continue to heal. And then once there's a healing plateau, if there's um, scars and things of that nature, we have often utilized even a professional photographer to take pictures of the scars, showing what the scar looks like in different lighting and um, how that affects the client.
2: So I'm just curious. I was once told that different body parts are basically assigned different values. Is that true? Or is there something similar, like with bruises and scars along that line?
1: Um, I think in workers' comp, that's true. You can, uh, in workers' comp, it's a whole different system, and the doctor gives an opinion on what percentage that injury is as compared to an amputation at that level, and it's pretty s- straightforward. But in personal injury, There is no such thing. Okay. So um, now uh, an important part, uh, Katrina, as you know, uh, is the pain and suffering the client uh, went through in the past and which they may go through in the future. So what role do you play in trying to help demonstrate, you know, how it's affected them more than what just shows up in the medical records?
0: Oftentimes we work with them um, to prepare an observation letter or – a personal injury worksheet kind of going through and hitting on your day-to-day activities activities of daily living and just showing how things that used to be you know your normal basic how you now have difficulties with that and you may be um, completely prohibited from doing those activities because of the injuries or how you have had to limit yourself or modify how you do those activities. So just helping the clients to express how the accident has changed both their lives and also their families, their spouse or their children's lives.
1: And then and I know we're getting close to the end of the show, but you're you're then putting we call it a settlement book, together. Just briefly describe what you're doing.
0: So the settlement booklet, um, my attorney describes it as something that we could walk into trial with. We're completing this for the insurance company, and it has everything related to the case, Uh, again, to take to trial prepared for them. The accident report, recorded statements, 911 calls, photographs, Uh, Property damage estimates, the medical records, all of the medical bills, any of the future care that would be required, mileage, uh, expert opinions and reports, uh, life expectancy tables, jury instructions, all of that is prepared into the booklet and submitted to the insurance company to allow them to see that we are prepared. Great. Well, again, that
2: sounds like a lot of work. I think clearly we've heard why you've won that award, because it sounds like you really understand this position and have a passion for doing it well. Any last words before we end this hour on paralegals?
1: Just real quick. um, We didn't even touch on what paralegals do once a lawsuit is commenced, and we could take up a whole other show for that. So we just focused on what what they do but uh, still a
2: lot more to the role right well thank you both again for this hour it has been great very informative thank you lucky land casino
1: asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
0: lucky in line at the deli i guess ha! in my dentist's office